0: my name is Stuart Alsop and this is my podcast Crazy Wisdom where I interview creative people about how they work with and manage the stress that is inherent in creative work. What I've realized over the past 10 years of my research is that anybody who is creating something of value that is significantly different from what has come before is considered crazy. Most of us have a fear an ingrained fear of going crazy uh, so what I'm saying is grab onto that fear realize that it's there and just go with it because the problems we're going to be facing over the next 20 years require crazy people in order to solve them. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest here is Jill Eichmann, the founder of Leela, a improv group and an improv studio and an improv education group. And uh, I've been going for the last month, and it's been really exciting. I've learned a lot uh, for myself. The re- whole reason I got into improv was uh, was to actually help my help me do better on this podcast and become more spontaneous and kind of free flowing. and And so far, I've just loved fallen in love with the improv process. That I've decided to. Sh- do it for fun. Uh, So Jill, welcome to the show. Um, I know you have some really important things to say about creativity and stress. And yeah, welcome.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I know you have a a show coming up. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I produce a festival every year. This will be our sixth festival this year uh, called Femprovisor Fest. So it's an all women's improv festival. Uh, And it's my little pet project to get more women involved in the improv community and just have more of an active women's presence on the improv stage. Um, And it's in April, end of April, April 25th through the 28th.
0: And what's it called again?
1: It's called Femprovisor Fest.
0: Great. And how many times have you guys run it?
1: Uh, So this will be our sixth year. Yeah, year six.
0: That's great. And so let's get right into it. What is your view or what is your definition of creativity, um, if you have one?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, improv is all about process, uh, which I really love. Actually, I'll talk more about that a little bit later, but uh, improv is where process and product merge, especially when you um, perform it as an art form in front of an audience. Um, And creativity, I believe, is that investment in process. Uh, So many people see creativity as like a form of self-care. It feels really relaxing to just paint for painting's sake or write for writing's sake. Uh, and creativity allows you to just tap into that authentic place inside of yourself where, you know, it just, you know, it just wants to explode, you know, something mm. just wants to come out of you mm. and you carve that time and space for yourself to, to let that happen. Mm. Uh, and what I really love about improv is not only uh, is it, it's a creative process, but it's a collaborative process. So it's where everybody's creativity can come together and play together.
0: Mm. That's something we haven't really talked about on the show is the, difference and similarity bet- between individual creativity and group creativity. Uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's fun, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and I think, uh, that when you're being inspired by others, when your creativity is coming from a place of inspiration, uh, it allows you to, uh, you know, really sh- shut down that voice of your inner critic and judge your ideas because you're really focusing outside of yourself and allowing yourself to be inspired by other people's ideas. Mm. It's a fun process. Yeah. And what do
0: you think about that individual sense of creativity? Do you have any kind of individual pursuits of yourself that you have, maybe painting or other kind of individual creative creative pursuits?
1: Not right now. I used to journal a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm a mom right now, Uh uh, (laughs) Uh, of a a very active toddler. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I really do like journaling a lot. having that time and space to just like let my thoughts come out and just free write has been really helpful for me as an artist over the years.
0: Mm. And then what is this connection between creativity and stress? So uh, you talked a little bit about creativity and group creativity. How to, because a lot of people view improv as particularly people who have never done improv before as something that's highly stressful and kind of have a lot of blocks towards it. Um, what is the role of stress in this creative process, would you say?
1: I really believe stress is about that worry about the future um, and having little or no control of an outcome. Uh, a lot of folks that I work with uh, lately, I do a lot of uh, corporate improv team building. So many of my um, clients uh, are folks that have never done improv before. Uh, And a lot of times I get hired for these team building uh, uh, gigs because the company is concerned about their employees going out and doing presentations. a lot of folks are scared to death, you know, like they're, they're hard workers, they're very smart, uh, they are really good at their job, but once they have to go out and do a presentation, like they start to freeze up and freak
2: mm-hmm. out, um,
1: so I get hired by companies to help them with that, um, and a lot of those folks talk about that, that feeling of like, hey, I know what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm scared to death of that question where I'm put on the spot, you know, mm-hmm. or what if the slide, uh, the slide show, uh, dispenser doesn't work, you know, um, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, What do I do if there's some change that happens? How do I prepare for that? So, uh, I believe what improv teaches us is to pre- prepare for the unprepared, right? Uh, for Prepare for those moments that are gonna be unknown, we have no idea what's gonna happen, prepare for change, prepare for uh, moments of like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all those moments. And you can, it's a skill, it's a muscle, you can be prepared in that sense. Um, you, you get so confident in your ability to react on the fly, to react confidently, uh, to react truthfully, to be very present, mm. um, and it, it is a skill. It's a muscle that you can prepare for.
0: That uh, that reminds me. You talked about kind of how improv can help us to prepare for the unexpected. And right. a lot of people, I've heard it said before, that people's two main fears are public speaking and death. Uh, yes. <laughs> and then and and death uh-huh. death is the ultimate unknown. Uh, so that's kind of like the biggest unknown and then the fact that people kind of put public speaking up there in that same category because it can also people I imagine it leads people to believe that they're that they um, have a social reputation and that if they do something wrong, they will lose that sub- social reputation for which for humans as social beings is probably one of those things that's closest to death in terms of how yeah. bad it it is. Yeah. It's a social death. <laughs>
2: yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I do an exercise a lot for my team buildings. I call it everybody go and I have everybody go around the circle and I say, this is, this is spontaneity training. We're going to do it a, a form of spontaneity training. We're going to go around the circle and everybody come up, you know, don't come up, sorry. Don't come up. <laughs> You're going to do a spontaneous sound and movement. Right. Mm. Um, and I, and I say, remember it's spontaneity training. So just let something pop out of you. That's it. And then uh, historically, every single time I'll check in afterwards and I go, okay, truth time, like who planned the spontaneous sound and movement, you know? Yep. Um, and it's and it's really hard, you know, it's really hard not to plan, right? So we tell people like, don't plan, don't think, don't, you know, mm. and what do you do instead, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. then we'll talk about that and be like, okay, I told you not to plan, but, but how do you really really allow yourself to surrender to the unknown Mm. and be really spontaneous. And usually what that comes from is being focused outside of yourself rather than being focused internally about all those thoughts of things that you should and shouldn't do. You're focusing outside of yourself and you're putting your attention on your audience, on your fellow players, on your surroundings, your environment, and allowing yourself to respond to that.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. What are the most common ways that fear comes up in the improv process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see a lot of folks uh, really worried about looking ridiculous. Um, I talk about the two mantras of improvisation and I, I took these from a musical improviser. His name's David Darlene. He's a cellist and a musical improv teacher. And he talks about two mantras, which are the fool and the baby. So in order to be great improvisers, we have to embrace that fool, right. Uh, and not be afraid of looking foolish. Uh, and for me, foolish is the same as being vulnerable. Right. So I think when folks are really afraid and have those fear responses, what they're worried about is that something's going to come out of their mouth that's foolish, that's ridiculous,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, that
1: people aren't going to take them seriously. Um, So being a fool is being vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can become more confident ourselves in our vulnerability, Mm -hmm. nothing will stop us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And something that I really have to get people's buy in with improv is saying, hey, the more foolish you are, the more vulnerable you are, the more accessible you become to
2: people. Because mm-hmm. human sure
1: beings, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, something that we practice at Leela, one of our core mission statements is, is truthfulness, right? That we're honest because when we're honest and truthful, it just automatically turns that empathy muscle on for people, right? Mm-hmm. The more honest and pure we are about who we are, people relate to us. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah.
0: Something you said. Reminds me of and it's that being a fool So when you're able to be a fool and you're confident about being a fool, that's the main thing It's in that body language because if you're a fool and you also then second-guess yourself immediately it'd be like Oh, I don't you know That makes it sound bad to the audience as well, but it's really that confidence in being able to uh, Able to just be a fool and be totally cool with it and totally uh, uh, in it, you know
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I tell folks, you know, on the improv stage, the audience will go with you wherever you take them. But the the, the only rule against that is if you're not confident in it. If you question or doubt yourself, the audience will smell that out and, and not trust you.
0: And that's what you I've know? been noticing in doing improv is how people want to like you and they want to support you. And right. this thing in my head, and I'm sure it's in other people's heads that that, oh no, they're all going to hate me and they're all going to think I'm, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing or, you know, I don't know, something like that.
1: Yeah. What's so cool about the art form of, of theater is that the minute you step on the stage, you have the audience in Mm. your, in your hands, right? It's, it's like a canvas. The stage is a canvas. Like they're just, they're set up to watch you. <laughs> you know, mm. There's a square box that they have to look at mm. and they're sitting in the audience and there's nowhere for them to go. So they have to watch you. You have their attention. So mm. all you have to do is just accept it, mm. right? Accept that they're watching it, accept it for yourself and confidently be there.
0: Mm. Yeah. And can you talk about how you started Lila and, and specifically how you came up with the name Lila?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, my husband and I, we founded the company together in 2003, um, and uh, I, I first, I guess, pretty seriously started studying improv in college, and that's where I met my husband. We were both in the a college improv troupe at University of Florida, um, and I was really into the psychology of improv, all that kind of stuff, um, so we moved out to San Francisco in two thousand to uh, to perform, uh, to pursue my, my master's in drama therapy degree. So I'm also a marriage and family therapist and drama therapist. Uh, and while I was going through that process, I was reading a book about improvisation. Uh, it's by Steven, Steven Nakmanovich. It's called free play. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, um, Uh, uh, an analysis of how improvisation is used in different art forms like music and dance and expressive arts. Um, In the very first chapter of the book, he talks about this word lila, which means play. Uh, And it's a Sanskrit word for play. Um, And I was really called to what that improv could be more than just um, entertainment. You know, mm. I've seen a lot of improv in college for comedy's sake and, you know, Second City was very popular and all these improv training centers was very popular for the sake of entertainment. But for me, improv was a lot more meaningful. Mm. Uh, it was mm. more spiritual to me. Uh, it was more about connection between human beings. And by pursuing that process of play, you can get a really entertaining byproduct, mm. Right. Uh, rather than like, going for the product of humor or funny or comedy, I want to go for the process of connection uh, and truth and vulnerability and that byproduct can be entertaining.
0: So um, what, yeah. what, what is the, uh, as, as somebody who kind of brings this into people's lives, particularly couples and in a therapeutic context, what is sure. the line between therapy and entertainment? Oh
1: yes yeah, this, this is a line that I've been grappling with for years and I still grapple with uh, with my company because yeah I, I really want to walk that line with Leela um, also the, the reason we chose Leela was is it's a woman's name mm. as well so yeah. I really wanted to bring that kind of like feminine aspect to improv as well um, coming from improv not to not to knock the boys at all uh, but it had a very kind of masculine energy of like mm. you know competitive and um, there were a lot more men who would do comedy than women. And I wanted like, I I saw so many women coming to improv saying, I want to learn how this can help me with my relationships. I want to learn how this can help me be a better human being for personal growth. Um, So there was more of this kind of maternal energy to Mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm sorry. I kind of tangent in a little bit. Um, Yeah. Therapeutic. Yeah. Therapeutic. Um, So yeah, I've been walking that line for a long time and we get a lot of folks in our community who are coming here for personal growth reasons. Um, And the way that we have um, kind of separated it out for folks at our training center is level one through four is a more holistic type of improv training where you can, we can work with any kind of goal. People want to work on the relationships or their public, Speaking skills or be a better actor, whatever, we can all work on this together. And then at a certain point in our training program, we say, hey, if you want to get on stage, we also need to work on your stagecraft as well. So really um, make sure that you're working on your instrument as an actor for the purpose of entertaining an audience as well and having a, a, a product. Um, so this is where I talk about like how improv is where improv, at least for the performance sake is where process and product merge. So you need to both be working on that internal process of your inner critic and making sure that you're working on your own creativity. And how to be free in your own creativity and we're also working on the product like Mm. Dressing nice and developing your instrument Mm. and taking notes from your director from a performance space, right? Mm. So both need to be happening on the improv stage. Yeah,
0: and and that's really interesting because that kind of goes back to a lot of what uh, People in the yoga world talk about which is the external and the internal most most of the time we're only focused on the external uh, the senses all the information coming in through the senses, but what, you, what you're talking about is also focusing on that internal uh, The process like what is this voice inside of my head that tells me I'm doing it wrong or doing it right or doing it? Whatever so what what are some effective strategies that either you use with your clients or you use with people in an improv space or you use with yourself when it comes to the inner critic and and yeah. Not really silencing the inner critic because you can't yeah. Like, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I I often joke with my, my my students like, you know, we can't silence the inner critic. We can't turn it off. You know, it's uh. there for a reason. Otherwise we'd be psychopaths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah.
2: um,
1: but what we can do is yeah, we can turn the volume down, you know. Um, and then also we need a replacement voice. Um, so what we do a lot of improv is we build up the inner cheerleader. So we can't, you know, in order to have something that can counter the inner critic, we need somebody to give us that cheerleading support for our ideas, right? So we that that phrase "yes and" that so many people are aware of now comes from improv. So that first part, that yes, is we need to learn to be able to say a big, huge celebra- celebratory yes to our own ideas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And often with improv, because it's a collaborative art form, sometimes the key for a lot of people who have like a really fierce inner critic is they are better at saying yes to other people's ideas. So <laughs> the more they practice saying yes to their mm. teammates' ideas, mm. it starts to come into their own space too. Mm. You know? And then they're also getting a lot of yes from their, from their classmates as well. So even if they can't believe their own yes for themselves at first, it's coming from their teammates and they're also practicing saying it to their teammates as well.
0: That's a very interesting thing because that ties in directly with people who offer services in massage, bodywork, yoga, meditation, is that often they, they find this this work because they've been wounded, wounded in them, themselves. And so that they have a huge inner critic and, and and oftentimes, and then through this work, discover how powerful it is for themselves, give it to other people, but they still at their very core have this sense of lack and it prevents them from being able to do the business side of it and really having this confidence to to say, yes, I am really good at this um, and, and offer that services, you know?
1: Yeah. Like for a lot of folks that, that struggle with imposter syndrome, you know, mm. it's like, mm. it's literally impossible to say yes to you being good enough smart enough you know creative enough like so you have it's a practice right mm. It's a practice and often people with with imposter syndrome the way to help them is to say well don't you think that your friend's ideas were awesome oh oh yeah yeah uh well do you trust your friend oh yeah i trust their i trust their wisdom i trust what they have to say well they just said yes to your idea in your improv class so can't you trust their their ability to assess that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. often the, the way to get through folks with imposter syndrome is like uh, allowing them to trust other people's opinion of them, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and then why, why do some people develop this l- maybe louder inner critic than other people? Why do some people have a tendency to, to develop a, a louder or more strict or more kind of disciplinarian inner critic than other people?
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I've worked a lot with, um, as a therapist, I've worked a lot as a play therapist. So I've worked with very young kids. Um, and now being mm-hmm. a mom, <laughs> i a little yeah. two-year-old and seeing her start to play and play pretend. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really conscious of making sure that I'm yesing her creative ideas, right? That it's really me supporting her idea. So as she's playing, maybe she's playing with, she has these little puppy dog uh, finger puppet she's liking, likes to play mm. with, rather than in putting my own creative idea on her process, I'm yes anding her ideas. Mm. You know? So I think it's really important as kids develop that we follow their play you know, and we help them internalize that their ideas are right. This is what I say in my improv classes all the time. Your ideas are right. Mm. They're true. They're perfect. Mm. And, and really instilling their confidence in and is coming from them authentically is, is right.
2: Mm. You know? mm.
1: Yeah. And I also think, you know, we live in a society where the school system is weird, <laughs> you mm. know, and there's mm. a lot of and a lot of uh ways that, yeah that the creative process is, is hampered down so mm-hmm. um hopefully more schools have more funding for arts these days and mm-hmm. we can support our kids that way
0: so essentially it's probably probably people inner critic get larger or more intense due to maybe a parent not really following their their when they're younger not really having that opportunity to have a a, a parental figure, look at what they're doing and say, Oh man, that's amazing. Or like really encouraging them or maybe not even quite being there. And then also once the, once the child is above a certain age goes into the school system and the school system is constantly comparing them and saying this person, you know, you've got an A, but you didn't really do this. So you got a B, uh, and not really giving that chance. Cause when we're younger, we have that chance to be authentic, but then at a certain point, we then, we then get put into the system that then defines what is right and what is wrong uh and and kind of um says you have to you have to you have you'll play a better role in society if you get this right, so get this right and then yeah
1: yeah, and it's interesting like with with men and women lately, I've been reading some articles about you know how a lot of girls when they're growing up in school like they tend to doubt themselves even more like I definitely was that that kid that you know, would just obsess over the right answer on my homework and would never Mm. trust my intuition and have to ask my parents, is this the right answer, you know? Mm. Um, So there's a lot of interesting data about uh, how girls go through school and how they start to doubt themselves um, as they go through school, where a lot of times boys are more encouraged to just try again, try again, try again. Mm. Girls feel like they have to do it perfectly the first
2: time.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, So what is one of the biggest kind of success stories you've seen someone have from going through improv.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that uh and um uh, but there's a joke that I have at the end of our improv one classes I'll often say like okay who's quitting their job <laughs> <laughs> you know like who's moving who's going through a huge life shift right now because I get that so often that people like go through these huge life shifts in improv and I believe what happens is they're so used to being so authentically themselves so purely themselves in improv class that when they go outside of that space it's like I can't it's like you're allergic to it <laughs> you know it's like your body cannot handle it anymore of being so untrue to yourself mm-hmm. um, I had this this one woman uh, after her first class in improv one she came back the next week and she's like I just had this horrible experience at work and I said what she's like I just broke down in tears at work and I was like well what happened and she said well after our first improv one one class together with a complete group of strangers, just spending three hours with them, I felt more supported by those group of people than my coworkers of fifteen years.
2: Mm. And
1: she's like, it was just such a stark difference. Like I went into work the next day and felt so like, totally unsupported. Mm. Um, and the, the stranger that I met, just met la- you know yesterday, these strangers for three hours, supported me more than my coworkers mm. of 15 years. Like,
2: and,
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and 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 this is reminding me it just brought to mind that during those two to three hours of doing improv, there is no technology in the room as well, or there is no nobody is right. on their phone except for maybe in the break uh right. but, but and it seems to tap into something which is very old in us, which is to really enjoy being in social interaction but not only social interaction because a lot of people in cities today go out to dinners with each other and do all these things but this really like dedicated sense of play and sense of community in that space that's something that's really old and that seems to be getting replaced by technology or kind of moved out of the way by technology because now now when we're in entertainment kind of settings or you know it's it's focused on the technology as the the deliverer of of entertainment Mm-hmm.
1: yeah so interesting it's like yeah we need that that real like air air time I don't know mm-hmm. how else to describe it we need to breathe the same air together you know mm-hmm. um, I, I even think about like you know right now we're talking through zoom which is awesome it's incredible it's an incredible technology but how much I would just love to like mm-hmm. look in your eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, really, and not just on the screen you know but yeah. breathe same air together you mm-hmm. know because there is some there's an energy exchange that mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. um I've talked to a few improvisers that are really interested, especially in San Francisco, like, oh, I want to put improv online. And yeah. I'm just like, okay. You know. <laughs> and maybe I'm an old lady now, but like, <laughs> I really, I think you're
2: taking away from
1: the purity of this art form if you mm. do that.
2: Like mm. improv is meant to be enjoyed in, in community. You need to be together in the same airspace. Like mm. you can have that energy exchange.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, I want to share, when I, first started getting an improv about a month ago. Before that last year, I've started to get into dance. And oh, cool. the, it, the dance part is really interesting because there is structured dance where you go to a class, a hip hop class, and you follow the teacher, but then there's also unstructured dance, ecstatic dance here in, in San Francisco and some other forms as well, which is yeah. unstructured and you know, no, no leading and you just kind of follow your own intuition. But I was yeah. noticing that, I, and I've loved this process that I've gone through over the past year, which is essentially just opening myself up in a movement somatic way of of moving around in a way that's kind of open and free. But I still wasn't able to play with people in this sense, in this verbal kind of linguistic, or silliness. Um, and improv seems to be fitting into that, into that, into that hole that, that I that I had previously. Um, so it's really interesting. Do you have a dance? Do you dance at all, or?
1: yeah i have a really large dance background and i you know i haven't done it in a while but i used to do a lot of ecstatic dance and improv mm. contact improv, and mm. stuff like that yeah it's mm. really cool what's what's fun about theater is it is all encompassing you know you have to be able to work your muscle as as a mover you know you have to be mm. physically equipped you have to use your voice you have to also be able to connect with others it's a kind of all encompassing art form that really taps into imagination as well. Mm. You
2: know? so, yeah,
0: mm. um, so let's talk about some of the individual stresses that you face in your creative endeavors. For example, creating this festival that you're about to create, what is the most, <laughs> <laughs> what is the most stressful thing about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately we don't have the the, the biggest budget, you know, Mm -hmm. so we're still like in a grassroots effort and we don't have a ton of sponsorship, you know, stuff like that. So that's like always the big stress for me is, um, you know, budget. Everything's very expensive in San Francisco. We have to pay for the, we got to pay for the theater, you know, Uh, we're paying uh, workshop instructors to come out from all over the country, you know, so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of expenses and then a lot of, a lot of uh, what comes what creates a festival is a lot of uh, the production aspects of it. And a lot of that is volunteer and everybody's bandwidth is very thin. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. cost money, money, money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is probably the most stressful. Yeah. Besides death, besides public speaking money probably comes in there right, right in third place, probably in terms of stressful stuff. Um, How, how do you get volunteers to help you work? Like how, how, how does that work?
1: I mean, it, it literally just comes from our improv community. Mm-hmm. Like I tell folks about it and ask folks if they want to support the cause because mm-hmm. it is a something that a lot of, uh, especially women improvisers are really passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. And the first year I did it, I remember going, gosh, there isn't, I didn't know of that many improv or comedy festivals that were just for women. Um, and I was like, I don't even know if I could have a festival with enough all women groups, you know, is this even possible? So the first year I did, I was like, Hey, we might have to accept every group that applies. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, but it was amazing how many women groups there are all across the country. Um, and it, we had a full festival the first year. It was, mm. and we had to actually deny some groups, which was not fun, but, you know, yeah. we had a, a lot of people. Yeah. And, it, and every year we just get more and more and more submissions. And this year is our first year that we're actually finding strategic ways to have some male allies involved. Mm. So we have a couple producers that are men. Um, we have some performers that are male identified, you know, mm. um, other support positions and how we can have our allies involved more in the cause.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, and how many people came last year? How many people do you have Scott, for this oh, thing?
1: As far as performers? Or no,
0: just in general, like the whole thing? How big is it?
1: Oh, so I don't have the account of like attendees in my yeah. head. Um, <laughs> we have, we have um, it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Oh, oh. um, and those are when the performances happen. So there's, um, I think this year we have 21 groups. And eight solo performers. So we'll Mm. have solo performers that act as like uh, um, MCs. We call them our femces. So they Mm. act like hosts for the for each show block.
2: Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: And then we have every every year we've had just like packed audiences. It's been (laughs) really cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, So when is it again? What what dates? April twenty fifth
1: through the twenty eighth. And it's at Exit Theater mm -hmm. uh, in downtown San Francisco. Yeah.
0: And then what is the name again? Femfest. Femprovisor Fest. Femprovisor, yeah. Femprovisor Fest. Uh, So, yeah. And and so we got about five minutes left. Um, Is there one article, book, uh, idea that you've come across that has enabled you to become more creative or less stressed in the last month?
2: I was hoping um,
1: I was going to be able to say this one quote. Uh, There's an improv teacher. um, He's actually no longer with us. His name is Martin DeMott, but he was a teacher out of the Second City for many years. And he has this really beautiful quote I want to share with you all, which is, I think many of us go through our life not fully having permission to be who we are and what we're going to become. Most of us are often looking for approval. We hate it when we're not approved of it's that approval that has us in our minds worrying about what we're doing as we're doing it trying to figure out whether or not it's appropriate or will be accepted we walk through our lives like we're on our first date trying to see if we're appropriate and trying not to step on other people's toes you know cautiously prophylactically for fear of not being approved of in this work there's only approval mm. Mm. i just that's that's improv mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh-huh.
0: yeah and particularly with Leela, it seems like you guys have set up that very intentionally within the within the improv space because at the end you have a time that everybody can share what they're working on. and usually yeah. that's something that in our culture we're supposed to be very modest and humble and not really talk about what we're doing. Uh, and so it's really cool that that you guys offer that uh, space for people to really share what they're working on or even share you know just needing something from the community like a roommate or right. anything like that. That's exactly.
1: Cool. Yeah, we need to definitely in the city of San Francisco. We need to carve space for community. Mm-hmm. You know, so we all help each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, uh, have how long have you lived in San Francisco?
1: Uh, since two thousand two.
0: Two thousand two. Yeah. 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 So that was right after the the tech collapse. So it was like the last span of t- San Francisco as a city before technology has really kind of changed the dynamics of it. Uh, um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> going on. yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's been awesome for improv, though. I feel like uh, there's a lot of folks that are moving here that really want
0: mm. anime to alive. So it's been uh,
2: good
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, before we stop, is there anything you you wanted to say? You wanted to share um, with San Francisco or our listeners?
2: Mm.
1: I, I, I just invite uh, everybody who's listening to, to find a way to say yes to yourself today. You know, uh, I know personally, I can, I can get into my inner critic, you know, still even being an improviser, <laughs> you know, I can get into my inner critic about things that I haven't done today or didn't do well. But if there's one thing you can say yes, that you know, uh, was perfect and right and true and was expressing you yourself authentically, see if you can say
2: yes to
0: it. Mm, cool. And then, yeah, if you're interested in, uh, um, uh, what, what's the name of the the conference again? Or the...
2: Festival, the it's called
1: FemprovisorFest, and that's spelled F-E-M-P-R-O-V-I-S-O-R-Fest.com. Mm. And then Leela, which is also produced, uh, produces FemprovisorFest, which is the company I founded with my husband, is L-E-E-L-A-S-F.com. com.
0: And uh, if you want to join me, I'll be going every Monday and Thursday from seven to 9 p.m. <laughs>
2: Yay, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's a drop in improv class that I've been going to for the last two or three weeks and it's really fun, great way to kind of uh, just laugh a lot, which is really fun and yeah. important thank for our you. nervous system. <laughs> yeah,
2: awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure you interviewing too. you. Yeah.
1: You too, I could talk about improv all day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do it again. Okay,
2: great. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for tuning into the show. If you liked it, please go ahead and find us on iTunes or Spotify and hit the subscribe button. I'll publish each episode by Monday morning before your commute, so make sure to check in then. And this is a reminder to just own your crazy, because the challenges that this world will be facing over the next hundred years will require us to think way outside the box. As Hunter S. Thompson said, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Thanks. Have a great day.